Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. There are two people that that react to the situation very differently in today's gospel lesson. And so before I even jump into the sermon, I think the relevant question for us through today's gospel text is in the midst of uncertainty, will we react and have a posture like Judas or like Mary? Judas and Mary, two people that were around the circle of Jesus throughout his ministry, two people that Jesus knew intimately well, two people that Jesus invested in again and again. And yet here in John chapter 12, their actions or reactions, their thought process couldn't have been more different. What do you think? I'm asking for real here, so I know sometimes you think it's a rhetorical question, but I want a little bit of audience participation, all right? Saturday night could do it, you can do it, okay? What do you think the biggest aim of Jesus' ministry was considering the formation of his disciples? In other words, what lessons or or teachings, what ethic do you think Jesus wanted his disciples to embody? More than anything else. What was he trying to get across, right? He's a rabbi. He has students, disciples, learners. He was charged with instructing them, teaching them, molding them, forming them, right? What do you think he wanted for them more than anything else? To care for people. It's a great answer. What else? There's no right or wrong here. I have an opinion. I'll share it in a moment. That's called a sermon. Um, Right, so what he put into them, what he taught them to, to not just hold it for themselves, but to, to keep it going, move it forward. What else? To love one another, right? To love. Faith, hope, and love abide. The greatest of these is love. Any other wild, anyone else want to participate this morning? All great. All good. I think all true. I've come to think, I've, I've come to the belief that, um, that Jesus was trying to instill an ethic, a worldview, an outlook, a disposition in his disciples that I believe makes room for all of this, to care for people, to pass this message on, to love one another, to be filled with grace, to be forgiving, all of these great things, right, that we could all answer and say, certainly Jesus was trying to teach his disciples about these things. But I think there's an umbrella There's a canopy that that enfolds all of those. And as I read scripture and as I've studied it, I've come to believe that what Jesus is trying to instill in his disciples is an ethic of abundance, is a spirit of abundance in a world that is so often marked by uncertainty 
and scarcity. To be abundantly gracious when people wrong you. To not forgive just a little bit, but 70 times seven. To love not just those people that you, know, you like and you do life with, but to, to love abundantly, to love radically, to include all people. You, you can think about all of the individual things that he taught, but think about them through the canopy of abundance. And then consider all of the object lessons that he taught his disciples. The Gospel of John and John chapter 2 begins with a lesson on abundance, doesn't it? The wedding in Cana of Galilee. It wasn't just a little bit of water that he transformed into wine. It was an abundance of wine. In the midst of uncertainty at that wedding ceremony where the wine ran out and shame would fall upon the, the bridegroom and the host, Jesus Jesus gives them an example of God's abundance, even when it seems like the wine has run out in your life. The feeding of the 5,000. It's not the feeding of five, it's 5,000. Again and again, I think Christ is trying to orient his disciples toward a promised future that is marked by God's abundance. He hearkens back to the prophets like Isaiah who give us such a, a visual image of what the kingdom of God looks like. A feast, a banquet table filled to the brim with the best foods around. I really do think that that's his heart. Jesus did not operate with a mindset of scarcity or, or fear or uncertainty. And so for three years, he has these disciples around him and he's teaching them and he's showing them how he lives and how he loves and, and he's performing these miraculous abundant signs, I think, hoping that his disciples catch the spirit of this. And all the while, he's preparing them for his absence. I wonder if all of these teachings and miracles are, are partly designed to, to help them find the courage to be able to choose that abundant life when, when he goes to the cross, knowing that their lives are going to be marked by so much uncertainty and so many other voices are going to come in and come into play, voices of fear, voices of scarcity, and so here we are in John chapter 12. And if there was any sign of abundance that Jesus could perform, man, he performed it six days before. Six days earlier, they were in the same home and Lazarus was dead. But now, six days later, he's sitting at the table eating the meal that Martha helped prepare. Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, had died and with his disciples in hand, Judas Iscariot, one of them there, Mary and Martha, the mourning sisters present, Christ said, come out, Lazarus. And he brought a dead man back to life, pointing to a promised future that even though this world is marked by pain, suffering, death, with God, there is a promised hope for future. You would think after experiencing and witnessing that, all of the disciples would, would get it. <laughs> but here we are at that dinner table 
and you have Mary. Mary, who facing so much uncertainty, takes what is her greatest possession and lavishly washes the feet of Christ with it. And then Judas is sitting there at the table next to the man who was dead and is now alive and goes back into the same bean-counting way of thinking, short-sightedness, scarcity mindset, cynical, skeptical, a critic. Are you sure we should be doing that? I mean, come on, this is foolish. Have you thought about selling that and giving the proceeds to the poor? I mean, the, 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 God, the writer of John tells us he didn't really care about that, right? But we've all encountered this way of thinking, haven't we? And if we're all honest with ourselves, sometimes we fall into that trap. God, I think, is continually trying to teach us to live with a sense of abundance, a sense of hope, a sense of purpose, putting the mission first, and sometimes asking deeper questions later. But Judas, Judas is skeptical. This is foolish. Why would we do it this way? Come on, this doesn't make any sense, does it? It wasn't really about the perfume. It was about the orientation of his heart. And Judas had it all wrong. But Mary got it. Mary chose to live an abundant life, maybe in response to what she had experienced or maybe because she was putting her faith and trust in all of those words that Jesus spoke. Mary, do you believe in the resurrection and the life? Yes, I believe in it. Well, I am the resurrection and the life. We don't know when it clicked for Mary, but we know that she chose to live with abandon, to love, to pour out, to bless Jesus, to give away everything that she had, trusting that her future, her future would be secure, even in the face of uncertainty. So we're left with that question, aren't we? Time and again in our lives. We live in an uncertain world. We all know what it's like to to, to wonder about our future, to to think, is this responsible? Is that responsible? What should we be doing with, with our own lives, stewarding what God has given us, let alone as a faith community and a congregation? I'm tired of talking about and reflecting about how we're living in such a time of uncertainty, but it's true. Every congregation, every faith community has those questions before them. What will the future look like? The last two years have shaken things up. They've, they've stirred things around in congregations. Some people have changed habits and routines and they've, they've sort of exited out of the, the faith community for a while. New people are finding faith communities. A lot is uncertain when it comes to the future. And here we are at the, at the weekend of our annual meeting where we take a look at the year that we've just had together and we celebrate the ministry we've done, but we also look to the future. We look ahead. And I think the question that I've been wrestling this week is are we going into the future with that skepticism like Judas? Or are we going into the future with a heart wide open like Mary.
who's going to pour out what it is we do have to offer to the glory of God. Because that's all I think God asks of us. As Prince of Peace Lutheran Church, I think what God desires for us into the new year is to share our fragrant offering with the world. Is to choose abundance. To choose to be oriented that way. Not toward the way that often uh, trips us up. Well, should we this and should we that? And what do we do and what do we do? And you end up doing nothing. So what would it look like for us this next year to take our jars of perfume, whatever they might be, and to pour them out? To trust that together we would create a beautiful, fragrant offering toward God. Just the other day, just yesterday, some kids in the neighborhood were playing together and Brianna and Noah were outside and and they were across the street in the neighbor's yard and this game of make-believe sort of sprouted up. Noah loves make-believe. Noah loves being the villain, the, the bad guy. I don't know why, but he does. And he's in his bad guy mode and he's saying, I'm going to send you into the future. And he's sort of, you're in the future and you're in the future. And he's going around and, and one of the neighbor girls says, Noah, what is the future like? And he stopped, and he got out of bad guy character, and he said, well, the future is everything that's good. The future is everything that's good. Somewhere along our lives, I think we, we lose that vision of innocence and hope that in the future everything is good, but that is exactly what our faith teaches us. In the midst of an uncertain world, we trust that in God's promised future, everything is good, even if it's going to be a bumpy ride, that there is an empty tomb, that there is a hope-forward vision of what God is doing. And so as we go into this next year together, loving and serving one another, serving our neighbors, making ministry plans, setting sights on what we can do as a community, may we trust, like Noah, that it's going to be good. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.